Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. We're going to be sharing a little bit today on freedom. And we're going to talk about freedom in the gospel. And we're going to talk about freedom, amen, in this great nation. I thank God that we live in this nation. You know, Barbara and Heather talked about our nation being an evangelical nation. You know, about 90% of the gospel support that goes around the world comes out of the United States of America. And you know what? God has blessed this nation, and I thank God for it. Amen? And so I, I just thank God for his goodness. But freedom really is the heart of the gospel. And Jesus actually opened his ministry with these words in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He went on to say, today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He was actually quoting Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, first half of verse 2. And in Isaiah, Isaiah was prophesying that Jesus would come, that a deliverer would come, and that he would provide freedom for the people. Praise God. And it actually comes from Leviticus chapter 25, where the scripture says, you shall declare liberty throughout all the land, a year of jubilee. So what Jesus was saying when he said, today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, he was saying that I am your jubilee. I have come that you might be free and that you might live free. That is the heart of the gospel. Free, praise God, free from sin, free from shame, free from poverty, free from anxiety, free from sickness, free from all these different things. Jesus came to set us free. He says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what that's talking about, the year of Jubilee. And Jesus is saying, I am your Jubilee. John chapter 8, Jesus was ministering as he ministered. It says in verse 30 that many Jews believed on him. And he told them in verse 31, If you continue in my word, you shall be my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Praise God, the truth is going to make you free. They went on and said, Lord, we've never been in bondage to any man. But Jesus said, Whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant doesn't abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. He, therefore, who the son makes free is free indeed. What he said, he said, I came to take you out of slavery and I came to put you into freedom. We are no more slaves, but we're sons. We're daughters. We're children of the most high God. The heart of the gospel is really about freedom. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, he said in verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. One translation says, another translation says, Christ set us free to live the free life. Praise God. So thank God we've been set free by Jesus. Now in Galatians 5 and Galatians 6, Paul says this, you're free to live, you're free to love, you're free to serve, you're free to give, you're free to forgive, hallelujah. All of those things are provided by in the gospel. Jesus, at his heart, the very essence of who he is and what he did and what he ministered is freedom. 
Praise God. And we live in a nation that was founded on the principles of freedom. And I thank God for the freedom that we have in this country. You know what? If you don't like it here, you could go somewhere else. Uh, you know what? You don't have to stay here. I remember Andrew Womack years ago. He said, if you're living in this nation and you don't love it, I'll buy you a one-way ticket anywhere in the world. Just one, one condition. You can never come back. So many people, you know, they don't know what they have. They don't know what they've been given, but we've been given a gift. And we need to thank God for it, amen? And we need to thank God. We need to thank our forefathers for the freedom that we've been given. Praise God for the freedom that we have in the gospel. Praise God for the freedom that we have in these United States. You know what? We get to go where we want to go. We don't have to ask somebody to leave the city or to leave the state, to go to another state. We have a free country. Praise God. We get to work where we want to work. Do what we want to do. Live where we want to live. Go where we want to go. Praise God. What, what a privilege. Praise God. And our forefathers believed in that cause of freedom. Now, I'm in John chapter 12 today, and I'm just going to share a little bit from John chapter 12 because it also talks about this thing called freedom. And in John chapter 12, verse 31 and verse 32, Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men, notice men is in italics, unto me. That means it's not in the original language. So what is the subject here when Jesus is talking. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world is going to be cast out. Who is the God of this world? Who is the prince of the world? Satan. Satan doesn't have the authority that he once did. Did you know the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus changed everything? And he said, and if I be lifted from, up from the earth, I will draw all. The subject is judgment. I'm going to take all judgment to myself. Did you know Jesus took the judgment for every man from the beginning of time, from Adam until the end of time, Armageddon? In fact, there are three major judgments in the Scripture. In Noah's day, the earth was judged by a flood. It was judged by water. Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, and his blood paid for the sins of all men. But then 2 Peter chapter 3 says there's a future judgment coming when the heavens and the earth are going to be renovated by fire. And we're going to go into a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. Now the fact is, just like, you know what, in the days of Noah, Noah built an ark for the salvation of his household. He by faith received righteousness and him and his house were saved. Jesus, when you put faith in the blood that Jesus shed, you can be free. Hallelujah. And, and we can be spared from judgment ultimately in eternity. Praise God. What are we free from? We're free from sin. Isn't that what the gospel talks about in Romans chapter 6? Praise God. We're no longer held captive to sin. We have been set free from sin. Romans chapter 7 says this. We're not only free from sin, but we're free from the law. And just like sin will kill you, it says Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Did you know what? Legalism will kill you. 
Legalism is deadly. But in Romans chapter 8, Paul goes on and he says this in Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation, no judgment against those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you believe on Jesus, Jesus paid for your sin at the cross and there is no more judgment against you as a believer. He says, those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You're not trying to get it in your own strength and ability. He says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed me from that old law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and it was weak through the flesh, through our own strength, through our own ability. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of God might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We're not trying to get it by our own goodness, by our own works, by our own performance, but we're just trusting Jesus. Amen. So thank God for the freedom that we have in the gospel. But when we think about freedom, you know, in these United States, there's a number of things that have been given to us. And as we go through John chapter 12, one thing that the first thing that I saw was freedom to worship. Did you know in the last few years that our freedom to worship has been attacked here in this United States? Basic freedoms that we have and that we enjoy. And did you know our forefathers fought for us to have this freedom? Freedom of worship is one of those things. I would like to talk about this when we talk about the privilege of freedom. And so when our forefathers wrote the Constitution. It was Thomas Jefferson and four other men who wrote it. It was finished in July 4th, 1776. And then there were different men, leaders from 15 states, 56 in all, who signed it. But I want to quote some of the, of the um, Declaration of Independence. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. We've been given these rights by God. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Or property, right? Prosperity. They said, they, they went on to say basically in the Declaration of Independence that the current king of Great Britain was a tyrant. And they were declaring their independence from this tyrant king of Great Britain. I'll quote. It says, the history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct uh, object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. They finally said at the very end, for the support of this declaration, listen to these words penned by our forefathers. We need people today to stand up like this. For the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. I'm concerned that there's a lot of people in these United States of America that don't understand what sacred honor is. But that's what they said when they were fighting the battle. Now, uh, for the freedom of, their, of this nation. 15 years later, they pinned the Constitution. 
And the first amendment of the Constitution says this, which was ratified in December of 1791. Congress shall make no law respecting an established entity of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That includes the health department. They go on to say, of abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That's the First Amendment of the Constitution. Did you know in the year 2016, the city attacked Cares Christian Center for putting Jesus is Lord on bus benches? They said that Jesus is Lord using the name of Jesus. They said you can no longer use the name of Jesus in your advertisement because that is hate speech. Well, I have good news for you. I told them, listen, I think that has to do with freedom of speech and freedom of religion. I think that's in the First Amendment of the Constitution. And we've been putting using the name of Jesus for the last three years and we'll continue to use it. And we still got the name of Jesus all over this city. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. And you know, they tried to shut all the churches down in the nation. We were the last big church to close and the first big church to open. And we're never going to close again on Sunday ever again at Karis Christian Center. We're going to preach the gospel. Amen. We're going to meet together. Amen. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And from what I can tell, it's getting closer and closer. So I'm going to keep preaching the gospel, and we're going to keep gathering to worship. Hallelujah. I don't care what the crazy government says. I don't care what they do. We're going to stand up for truth, and we're going to stand up for freedom. Now, that's the freedom that we've been given. That's the privilege that we've given. Now, in John chapter 12, as I was reading, uh, you know, through this, I'm going to read the first 19 verses. We have the freedom to worship. And Mary, the brother of Lazarus, came and made a huge offering. She was criticized for her offering. But you know what? We have the freedom to worship. And we still have the freedom to give. That's part of our worship. Look at this in John chapter 12, verse 1. We'll be reading through verse 19. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. It was an amazing miracle. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of ointment and spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with this odor, sweet offering of this ointment. Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who should betray him? Why wasn't this ointment sold for 300 pence? Did you know that was a working man's wage for a year? A penny a day. And given to the poor. This he said, when somebody's criticizing your giving, it's usually not your giving. There's usually another problem behind it. This he said, not that he cared for the poor. He didn't care for the poor. But because he was a thief. And had the bag. Did you know Judas was a thief? He was Jesus' treasure. 
Now, if you got $10 in the bag and somebody takes one, guess what? You're going to know something's gone. But Jesus had this treasury, right? And, and Jesus traveled with 12 men for three years. Did you ever travel with 12 men for three weeks? I'm telling you, it costs a lot of money, especially since the virus. They've doubled the price of everything. I mean, rental cars are terrible. Hotels are terrible. Everything, you know. We, we traveled a lot during the pandemic when nobody else was traveling because you could go for almost nothing. But now it doubled everything, okay? So they're getting all their money back. But you know what? God has enough money. And you can go where you need to go and do what you need to do and enjoy yourself. Hallelujah. Just trust God. Hallelujah. There's plenty of money to go around. I'm going to show you something here as we look at this. But you know, Jesus, he, he wasn't born very long and three rich men showed up. They came from somewhere between 500 and 5,000 miles to get there. Now listen, they, they probably rode camels and donkeys. It, it was a slow mode of transportation. And listen, if I traveled 500 to 5,000 miles to give anybody an offering, I, I wouldn't just give them $20. You know, there's one man did a study on this. They, he believes that the offering that they gave to Jesus was worth something like $3 million. His name is Peter Daniels. He's from Australia. He has his own money. He's a billionaire. Hallelujah. He has a sign on his wall. It says, you got 10 seconds to get happy or get out of my office. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. I have one rule for all the people that work for me. You got to be happy. And if you can't stay happy, you can't continue to work at Garrison Center. Hallelujah. You just got to stay happy. Amen. So get over it. Now, <laughs> one of my members of my staff's going, they put a smile on their face. Glory to God. Keep smiling. It's better. Hallelujah. He bore the bag. Now, th then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing, she kept this. She made this beautiful offering. He makes a statement in verse 8. For the poor you always have with you. But me, you don't. There's always going to be poor people. Now, did you know what? There's enough wealth in the world for everybody in the world to be wealthy. There's not a lack of wealth in the world. But yet Jesus said, the poor you're always going to have with you. Why do we always have poor people? Well, sometimes it's a challenge of getting the money from the people that have it to the people that don't. Dr. Sumrall ran a, a ministry for years. It still goes on. It's called Feed the Hungry. And we, we help feed hungry people around the world. But they found out that even in nations where there was great famine, there wasn't a lack of food, it was a challenge of getting it from the people that had it to the people that didn't have it. One nation he wanted to go to that had millions of starving people, he wanted to bring a shipload of food, five million pounds, and he wanted to deliver it for free. But they wanted to charge him a million dollars to park his ship. You know, it was blackmail, so he didn't go there. Do you know what? There are many people that are starving to death, not because there's not enough, but because the people that are in power won't let it get to the people that need it. But it's not a challenge of not enough. There's, there's enough provision in, all, in the world for the people of the world, and there always will be. As long as the earth remains, Genesis 8 verse 22 says, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter shall not cease. There's enough provision on the earth for the people of the earth and there always will be. 
But Jesus said the poor you have. I think one reason that people are poor is because they think wrong. You got to start thinking right. You got to start believing the Bible. You know, there are a lot of people in the, in the body of Christ that think poor because of religion, because of tradition. Do you know if anybody fights me, they fight me over the message of prosperity, and I'm going to keep preaching it. Why am I going to preach? I'm going to preach it because it's what the Bible says. See, Jesus, the scripture says this, 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things, it's New Testament, that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. You get your brain thinking, right? You know what? You'll prosper. Amen? I love this verse in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. One of my favorite verses. This book of the law, this word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein both day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. Keep meditating the word of God. Keep going to what the Bible says. Amen? Keep speaking the word of God. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. And keep acting on the word of God. Praise God. Meditate the word. Hallelujah. Believe the word. Speak the word. And act on the word. And see what happens to you. Praise God. If you stay at it, good things will come to you. I believe that God wants everyone to prosper. And when they believe his word and when they act on it, they can prosper like he said. So I don't think it's a problem of having provision. It's a problem in our thinking or a problem of getting it from the people that have it to the people that don't. But there's enough provision in the world for the people of the world. Many people, verse 9 says, of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. They came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might see Lazarus also, who he raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus to death. They were so concerned because Lazarus was raised from the dead and all these people were leaving their ranks and following Jesus. Because of that reason, the reason of him, many Jews went away and believed on Jesus. On the next day, many people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, how did I do that? Took palm branches Branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and said, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he found a young donkey, sat thereon as written. They were worshiping him. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king comes sitting on a donkey's colt. That's Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. These things understood not his disciples at first. When this was happening, they didn't realize what was happening. But when Jesus was glorified, when he's raised from the dead, then they remembered these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. The people, it's, it's amazing how people will fulfill prophecy and not even realize they're doing it. The people, therefore, that were with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause, the people also met him, for they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said to themselves, perceive how. He prevailed nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. They were so concerned because people were worshiping Jesus. Praise God, the privilege of freedom. We can worship Jesus. You can worship who you want. I choose to worship Jesus. I'm so glad that we get to worship him. But you know what? There is a price for freedom. Now, in our country, the price of freedom was the blood of our forefathers, and in the year 1775, 
through the year of 1783 that they fought the Revolutionary War. So they were fighting the Revolutionary War actually nearly a year before they wrote the Declaration of Independence. And during the Revolutionary War, it's estimated that 6,800 Americans were killed in action, 6,100 wounded, over 20,000 taken prisoner, at least 17,000 additional deaths, which, which include 8 to 12,000 who died while prisoners of war. So there were approximately 24,000 deaths and 6,100 wounded, or 1% of the U.S. population that was then 2.5 million. That would equal, today, 3.3 million deaths. If we fought a war, we have about 330 million people in the United States of America, right? So it would be a huge thing. And then during the Civil War, which was fought from 1861 to 1865 to stop slavery, about 620,000 people died in the Civil War, 620,000 or 3% of the U.S. population at that time, 20 million. That would, that would equal to date losing 10 million people in the United States for the cause of freedom. And so the cost was far more than they thought. But we, we have so many people who have given their blood, praise God, given their life for the cause of freedom. And we, are, we have a great benefit that has been gifted to us. And we need to thank God for the freedom that we have been given. Now, not only did these people shed their blood and give their lives, but Jesus shed his blood and gave his life. And he goes on. In verse 20, uh, on down through verse 36, Jesus talks about this. It says in verse 20, there were certain, John 12, verse 20, Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came to Philip, which was at Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come, the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Jesus was talking about his death. He that loves his life shall lose it. He that hates his life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and that where I am, there may my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, Jesus, you know what? He, he willingly went to the cross. He willingly died for us. He says, but for this cause, I came unto this hour. I came to give my life. He says, Father, glorify your name. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have gl both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by heard it. That, and some said it thundered, others said an angel spoke to him. But Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the prince of the world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. I will take all judgment. The scripture says in John chapter 3 verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man, Jesus again prophesying, of his death must be lifted up. This he said, signifying what death he should die. 
And the people answered him, we have heard out of the law that Christ abides forever. And how do you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Jesus said, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walks in darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of the light. These things spoke Jesus and departed and hid himself from them. So, we have the privilege of freedom, right? We have the privilege of freedom in this United States, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, freedom. We can go where we want to go, live where we want to live, do what we want to do. We are a very, very blessed nation. Praise God. There was a price that our forefathers paid for our freedom. Praise God. We have the privilege of freedom. Jesus paid for our freedom, freedom from sin. Hallelujah. Freedom from death, eternal and spiritual, and eventually physical death when Jesus comes again. Praise God. Jesus paid for our freedom. But there also, not only was a privilege of freedom, there's a price for freedom. And in this country, it's the blood of our forefathers. For the gospel, it's the blood of Jesus. Thank God Jesus shed his blood for our freedom. But finally, we have the privilege of freedom. We... we we, we get all these things. Praise God. We get to live. We get to do business. We get to, praise God, worship. Oh, this is, praise God, all, all these things. But when we, when we think about it, you know what? What is the power of freedom? I believe the power of freedom is the power to choose. I believe free people are the most productive and most prosperous people in the whole world. I remember years ago when I went to Russia, I went to Russia in 1991 on a mission trip. And I remember people talking about, talking to me in Russia, and they were saying, you pastor a church, and you feed cows, and you too, we only do one thing. You know, and they thought that was somewhat wrong. Well, no, that's how we ought to think as Americans. We ought to think like free people. Praise God. If you think like free people, praise God, we have the power to prosper. We can do different things, and God can bless us in different ways. Hallelujah. I personally like to have multiple streams of income. Hell, I don't know about you, but I like more than one. Isn't that good? Amen. But that's how free people think. It's not how people who are under a communistic society think. They don't, they don't think free, but we think free. We think in a different way. Praise God. And freedom will lead to blessing. It leads to good things in our life. Praise God. And so when we think about the power of freedom, it's the power to choose. Now, when I was thinking about the power of freedom in our nation, I was thinking about a speech that Derek Wilburn gave. Derek's here in this service today. He's with his wife, praise God. He's got his daughter that was just recently married. His daughter's prospering, and they're doing very well. Praise God, his oldest son flies jets for the Air Force. He's prospering and doing very well. His youngest son is a... Um, going to be a senior in high school, praise God, and he's doing very well, praise God. And I believe it's because the things that Derek has shared with them and how he's taught them. But Derek last year spoke at D49 at their school board meeting, and he spoke about some of these things that are trying to be pushed. And I thought this really represents the power of freedom. So I asked him if we could show this, so we're going to show a little clip, and then I'll come back and share with you a little bit more about the power of freedom. Derek Wilburn. 
As you, as you approach the mic, I want to just uh, make a comment to our audience. When, when you agree with the speaker and you stand up, you are showing the board a, a consensus, I guess, that you agree with that particular speaker. So again, I encourage you, if you agree, stay, stay by your seat, but stand up. Okay, that way we can see that. Thank you. Sir, please go ahead. Good evening, board. <laughs> I'd like to begin my comments tonight by reading a quote, which in essence is the genesis of all of this Black Lives Matter, social justice, CRT conversations we're having in our country today. Quote, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color, close quote. Colin Kaepernick, August 2016. I am the direct descendant of the North American slave trade. Both my parents are black, all four of my grandparents are black, all eight of my great-great-grandparents, all 16 of my great-greats. On my mother's side, my ancestors were enslaved in Alabama. On my father's side, we were enslaved in Texas. I am not oppressed. I'm not oppressed and I'm not a victim. I'm neither oppressed nor a victim. I travel all across this country of ours and I check into hotels, and I fly commercially, and I walk into retail establishments, and I order food in restaurants. I go wherever I want, whenever I want. I am treated with kindness, dignity, and respect, literally from coast to coast. I have three children. They are not oppressed either, although they are victims. I've taught my children they are victims of three things, their own ignorance, their own laziness, and their own poor decision-making. That is all. My children, we are not victims of America. We are not victims of some unseen 190-year-old force that kind of floats around in the ether. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is taking our nation in the wrong direction. Racism in America would by and large be dead today if it were not for certain people and institutions keeping it on life support. And sadly, sadly, very sadly, one of those institutions is the American education system. I can think of nothing more damaging to a society than to tell a baby born today that she has grievances against another baby born today simply because of what their ancestors may have done two centuries ago. There is simply no point in doing that to our children. And putting critical race theory into our classrooms in part does that. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is not combating racism, it's fanning the flames of what little embers are left. I encourage you to support this resolution. Let racism die the death it deserves, and let's keep living the life of the country that we want. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. You know, after Derek spoke that at the D49 school board, they voted down CRT in District 49. Praise God.
And I thank God for people like Derek that are in this congregation in this nation that are standing up against these lies and standing boldly for the cause of freedom, amen, that Jesus died for, that this nation was founded on, and we are moving forward in good ways in many areas. So we just thank God for that, amen? We're not going to believe the lies and listen to all this. Do you see, we're talking about the power of freedom. I believe the greatest power of freedom is the power to choose. In fact, the scripture says this in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. God said, I have set before you today, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed may live. Interestingly enough, in Romans chapter 10, Paul quotes Deuteronomy chapter 30. And Paul said this after quoting Deuteronomy chapter 30 in Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 10. He said, the word is near you, even in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What he's actually saying is Jesus has already come. He's already died. God's already raised him from the dead. Now, if you believe that from your heart, you with your mouth confess Jesus is Lord. Amen? And when you confess Jesus is Lord, you move from sin and you move into righteousness. I believe the greatest power of freedom is the power to choose. And we have the power to choose. We have the power to choose Jesus, to confess Jesus as our Lord. Amen? And we have the power to choose to believe the Word of God. Inevitably enough, in John chapter 12, the Scripture talks about here in these last few verses, verse 37 through 50, about confessing Jesus and about believing the Word of God. Let's read in verse 37 through verse 46 about confessing Jesus. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they did not believe him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Do you know, if you want to see Jesus, who is the arm of the Lord, revealed in your life, you've got to believe the gospel you got to believe the Word of God. Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he's blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their heart and be converted and be healed. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Who are you seeking to please? Jesus cried and said, He who believes on me believes not on me, but him that sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I am come as a light in the world that whoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. Jesus brought light to the world. Thank God. You know what? I don't like to talk a lot about the darkness. I like to shine the light. Amen. You know why? Because I believe that the light is greater than the darkness. 
I don't th like to talk a lot about the lies in the world. I didn't, I didn't spend a lot of time telling my children when I, when, they, when I was raising them about all the lies in the world. I taught them the simple truths of the Word of God. Why? Because I believe that truth is stronger than a lie. I didn't spend a lot of time talking about the hatred in this world. Why? Because I believe that love is greater than hatred. And I didn't talk a lot about the death in this world. Why? Because I believe that life is stronger than death. In fact, right after first service, I had a man and a woman that come here to church, and they were in first service this morning. They said, hey, we went to a concert last year of Sean Foy in Boulder, Colorado, and there were a lot of protesters but they said as those protesters were there, Sean just began to speak the love of God and began to speak the joy of the Lord. And he said, they all just dissipated. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because he spoke words of life. And he spoke words of love. Praise God. And if you believe the gospel, if you believe the truth of the word of God, amen, and the light of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ, amen, you don't have to be overcome with the darkness of this world. We need to make a bold confession of Jesus Christ as our Lord. We need to make a bold confession of these things we stand for. But we also need to make a bold confession that we believe the promises of God. You know what? I'm never going to quit preaching the promises. I'm never going to quit preaching that Jesus paid for our forgiveness and our healing and our prosperity and our peace. Why? Because I see it in the Word of God. And I know when people believe the Word, it has the power to change their lives. Amen? As we read on down, notice what Jesus went on to say in verse 47 to verse 50. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and receives not my words has one who judges him. The word that I've spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. For I've not spoken to myself, but the Father who sent me gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting Whatever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So when I think about freedom, I thank God for the freedom that we have in this great nation. And I thank God for the freedom that we have in the gospel. I thank God for the privilege of freedom. I thank God for our forefathers that shed their blood. And I thank God for Jesus who shed his blood that we can be free. Ultimately, I thank God for the power of freedom, which is the power to choose. And I believe when you make a decision to choose Jesus as your Lord, and boldly confess Jesus as your Lord, and when you make a decision, amen, to, to believe the promises of God, to believe the word of God, that you are moving into the freedom that Jesus paid for you to have. Amen. And so I thank God for freedom. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.